Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is Sean Catanese, broadcasting from Berkeley, California, my new home. We miss you very much. Well, I miss you. I miss you, Jose. Where are you? Where? Who? Who's the other voice on this podcast? Jose, level one, Sacramento, still Sacramento. That's right. So, uh, we are coming to you via our Skype connection. Um, thank you for sticking with us. This is a special pre-Worlds episode. Um, we're going to be recording a bunch of stuff at Worlds, and so wanted to get a bunch of stuff out of the way before we get to that content because, well, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but also record stuff, record stuff, and get stuff out to you listeners so that you have something to listen to. Um, and then as soon as I get back from Worlds um, in mid-December here, uh, a couple weeks, I'll be starting to put out a bunch more content of stuff we've, we've recorded out there, um, and hopefully with some more commentary from Jose, uh, again, via our Skype connection here. Yeah, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the, the time zones sync up so that we can uh, uh, cross, you know, cross Skype there. Oh, well, Skyping from Japan is going to be bad. Uh, what probably is going to happen is that I will be recording a bunch of interviews on either Thursday or Friday, um, possibly Saturday, but it's unlikely because of the scheduling of Worlds. I'll be, you know, Worlds is four days long. Um, well, really five, but anyway, it's it's a lot of lot of tournament days, and uh, I'll be recording on one of those for a lot of interviews, and then we can listen to those, and you can kind of have some commentary and other questions as we go through. Um, also, uh, before I get to that, are there any things that you want me to be asking people? While you're at Worlds? Yeah. What's it like at Worlds? Well, See, okay. the reason I bring that up is because, you know, uh, lowly level one judges like myself uh, can only dream of going to Worlds. Well, no, that's not true. I mean, the local level ones in the area uh, are definitely going to be happily employed um, on the you know, public events for sure. Um, I mean, they won't be getting sponsorship, uh, but they'll be, be you know, they may be getting their hotel rooms. I'm not really sure how that works out for each of them. Um, but I am sure that there definitely will be L1s on staff and probably a few L0s that will hopefully be testing, too. Um, well, uh, yeah, let me let me rephrase. Gee, I wish I got sponsorship to Worlds <laughs> like Sean Cadenisi well, did. Okay, but there's another part to that, and that is that Worlds next year is coming to San Francisco. Right, exactly. So that's not far from us. So maybe, uh, you know, you could, I mean, I can actually see, I can actually see where the tournament site is going to be from my uh, living room here. Um, that's that, Seriously, I can. Like, I can see across the bay to the Golden Gate Bridge and kind of uh, that part of the city. It's pretty awesome. Your new pad is pretty pimpous. It is. It's got a great view. So, uh, but it does come at the cost. And I guess that's, it's only fair to explain to listeners, um, we the reason for all these delays in recording and basically all the turmoil that's been around here, um, in case you didn't know, uh, my house is no longer mine. Uh, we've let it go. Um, and in that whole foreclosure process, which is still not resolved, but at least getting closer to it, um, that's part of why we don't have a house anymore. And that's part of why all this turmoil has been going on. So, um, now that that's kind of more resolved and we have, you know, a safe harbor dropping anchor in here, uh, in Berkeley, uh, you know, we will be probably be able to record more and have a little bit more time to do this. So, um, again, thanks for hanging with us. And I realized that a few episodes ago we said, oh, now we'll get to doing it biweekly. And, uh, that sort of hasn't happened. Um, hopefully, hopefully 
we can get to doing something more regular, um, especially considering how much content we'll have from Worlds. So that's my soliloquy on on the situation and, and the future of JudgeCast. Um, and one more in my long litany of apologies to our listeners. And just to make up for it, if our listeners email us at judgecast at gmail.com asking for one, I, Jose, will send each requested person a hug. Oh, I was gonna I thought you were gonna say like a pack of beta or something. I was like, Jose, that's a lot of packs of beta that I would have a hard time coming up with. Can you come up with a pack of beta? Um, I know Toby can, but that's really, really hard for him to come come up with. I'm pretty sure um, that's like six or seven hundred dollars, and that's not something I've got right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's at least I, not, I, not not to spend on a random chaos lace, you know. So, um, those were rare, weren't they? Yes, they were. <laughs> that's one of the risks that you run buying packs of beta now. Is you can say, oh, I get a sinkhole. It's a common, fantastic, and I get a chaos lace. Yeah. Yeah, I figure most of them are already searched, which is uh, the problem. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's sneaky that's a, methods of, of finding out uh, what's in those packs pre uh, uh, foil pack days. Yes, yes, there are. Um, yeah, but we won't go into those because we want our listeners to have the tools to be good, good Magic players that play by the rules. Yes, unlike. Tomoharo Saito, I guess, is what you're getting me to segue into. Is that correct? <laughs> well, you, you set up the segue. I'm just, oh, okay. you know, I'm, I'm doing my, my uh, uh, you know, Andy Richter to your Conan O'Brien. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, wow. Yeah, I guess they're still together, aren't they? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Uh, they're, uh, they're doing their uh, new show. Not that I would know because I don't have any cable or... Uh, really a, a tv but um you know i don't you know, ha- i don't have cable here either we can't get any cable here that's um, good fight fight the power chances are that uh, comcast is going to serve you there and uh, no they don't they, they we we've put our address into like every cable provider that we can think of and we we cannot find them so uh basically they all say our address doesn't exist or that we don't exist or that they don't exist or or something so it's uh, yeah. So basically, we've been flying sort of on Netflix streaming, and that's about it. Admitted, your address has a fraction in it, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's got an apartment number after it, but um, you know, other people here have t- televisions and cable, so I don't know why we can't. But apparently, we can't. So <laughs> um, anyway, it, that's that's I, mean, I guess beside the point, but. Um, yeah, Tomoharu Saito. So, uh, biggest... you, ru- you ruined my, my awesome segue, by the way. I, I sort of did by pointing out that it was a segue, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. That was, just... that was such, such a sweet, sweet. All right. Anyway. Oh, no, I'll cut that part out. That's fine. Um, so, Tomoharu Saito, yeah, he is uh, now banned uh, from uh, playing in sanctioned events uh, for the next year and a half, give or take. Um, an 18-month ban for stalling. And this happened at uh, Grand, Prix, Grand Prix Florence is where the infraction occurred. Um, and that's where he was disqualified. Um, and then once that happened, um, afterward, when an investigation uh, you know, happens for every DQ that goes on, um, there's a panel of high-level judges that review those uh, DQs, all the paperwork, all the statements that go along with that. Um, and then they decide what action to take. 
They're um, affectionately called the tribunal. Yeah, and in fact, the um, the leader of that tribunal has uh, posted a, a very helpful um, a very helpful uh, sort of primer on what it is that they do um, at the uh, community.wizards.com. Uh, actually, I think Hello? it's yeah, I think it's actually the judge section of that, uh, and I'm actually going to link up to this right now. So while we're waiting for that to load. Let's see if we can find some good waiting music. Um, good waiting music would be... Hello, it's me, Mario! Woohoo! Okay, no, that's that's not good waiting music. What was that? That was um, Mario Brothers? Mario um, something? Um, what I was really looking for... Aha, blog posts at the, uh, if you go to community.wizards.com slash judge slash blog, uh, you'll be able to find all of the different, um, basically all the different posts that have been put up by all the folks at Wizards in the judge program where they're actually using uh, the community.wizards.com section uh, to put stuff up. So they put up a bunch of content, one of these things. Um, is actually um, a list of each of the spheres in the judge program now. Um, and Kevin Desprez is the head of the um, <clears throat> investigations sphere. Uh, he's in charge of sort of helping along the program. Um, and right now... Um, and he always wears black. Well, I think he's worn red occasionally um, as a as a head judge of things. Um, oh, that's true. <clears throat> But in this instance, uh, he is work, acting as the uh, person in charge of this sphere. Um, so the sphere's investigations, and the uh, they're actually not called the tribunal, Jose. They're called the DCI Investigation Committee. Otherwise known as a tribunal. I, I, I really don't – I mean, I guess we could call them the – but they're not really the – we could call them Power Rangers, but they wouldn't be Power Rangers either. Um, however, there are seven um, – Seven judges that are part of it. Um, they're all level three or higher. In fact, two of them are level four judges. Um, and basically, when a disqualification happens at an event, I've actually given a few disqualifications in my day as a head judge, um, unfortunately. Um, but when that happens, uh, basically, you fill out a bunch of paperwork. Uh, you get statements from everybody involved, um, write up those statements in uh, the DCI's own website, and they all get collected and reviewed by this committee, um, and then basically they can act, they can uh, recommend sorts of three three different actions. Now, once the disqualification happens, it's done. The the player is disqualified from that event. That's completely up to the head judge of that event. So, um, in Saito's case, um, when Nick Sefton, the head judge, uh, level four from UK from the UK. Uh, responsible for writing the communication guidelines, really amazing judge. When he made that decision, influenced to disqualify Saito, that's the end of the line for Saito in that event. There's there's no appeal beyond the head judge. The head judge is the, the final arbiter of everything that goes on there. Beyond that, um, all those statements got collected and then reviewed by the committee. Now, because of the... Uh, well, because of the gravity of this situation where you have somebody who is just been elected to the Magic Hall of Fame, um, being 
you know, being part of uh, this this disqualification here, um, it, they expedited the review and the investigation uh, uh, after the fact here. And basically, the three actions they can take are no action, or a warning letter, or a suspension. Those are the, the basic actions that they they'll they'll take. Um, now, that basically will just be determined um, by some guidelines that they have. Um, and of course, they're constantly evolving as they have new situations. And uh, if you want to read more about the investigations um, the committee and how that works, I'd strongly suggest uh, going to community.wizards.com/judge/blog and going to uh, scrolling down to the investigations entry there from uh, Kevin, and it would really uh, help sort of elucidate how that happens. You know, with seven people on that panel. They're not a tribunal. No, they're a septunal. Septibunal? I don't even know the right name for that. Seven. They're a seven-member committee, in fact. I think we should just call them the committee. The Justice League? Come on. Seven? Yeah. Justice League? No, the Justice League is, a, is it, well, I don't even know if it's still part of what Star City uh, column, but I know that for a while the Justice League was the judge column over at Star City where like people like Max Nowlin and some other uh, luminaries uh, would be writing for Star City, so I don't know if that's still the case or not. But that's that's what that name brings to mind for me, at least. It brings to mind Superman. Well, yeah, yeah, all, all of them too, and all the super best friends and all that. But that's that's a little different, I think. Okay, I just thought it was fitting, you know, Justice League. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was. Uh, so Saito was uh, disqualified, and then. Uh, has his suspension here for a year and a half. Um, it's interesting to uh, actually follow the community's reaction to this because I think there's there's kind of, you know, as with most high-profile disqualifications, there are two camps, one saying the uh, judges overstepped their bounds, the other one saying that, well, you know, he really deserved it and, and got what he deserved. And this one, this one is really interesting because, you know, this is this is competition uh, uh, by somebody who got you know voted into the Hall of Fame. This is like an all star of magic. So if you liken this to you know sports, this is a professional player mm-hmm. uh, doing this. And you know, in a lot of professional sports, playing to the clock is allowed, encouraged. It's a skill. Right, but if football, if, basketball, you play to the clock. But if you allowed that in Magic, you would have a, a lot of really bad complications. You would have issues like, um, you know, I win game one, and you know, you pass me priority in game two after your first turn, and I just refuse to pass it back. You know, and then 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 we end the game. Um, or if you see that you're about to lose game one, you just refuse to pass priority. You're like, okay, well, I, I guess we're just going to draw this here. Um, you know, just sit there. Uh, they have a, a shot clock in basketball or, a, a, you know, a, a play clock in football to, to stop that from happening. But that's just not realistic here because that then we get into, you know, uh, Ricky's old article on chess clocks and how do you use chess clocks and or can you use chess clocks in magic? Um, realistically speaking, actually, I was part of Ricky's testing on that, um, and that's a ridiculously terrible idea. Like it, it is just it is such a bad idea to have chess clocks for magic tournaments. I just um, it, it is so impractical and works really, really poorly. It, it just destroys the actual gameplay. 
yet it works flawlessly on Magic Online. That's because the passages of priority are, are automated and, and each step is going along very directly. Um, nonverbal, you know, and the computer sort of guides your communication online, mm-hmm. um, and it really limits the, the number of things that you can do, um, where there's actually a finite number of ways that your opponent can ob- obtain information from you, um, and a finite number of, of you know, outside influences that can change the information that's being transferred back and forth. Um, you know, Magic Online immediately resolves any language difficulties. It immediately resolves everything that would happen in nonverbal communication where, um, you know, in a paper game of Magic, you would actually, you know, just sort of wave your hand and say, okay, it's your turn. Or, okay, hold on, you know, raise my finger and, and you know, or, or put my hand up and say, wait, stop. All that nonverbal communication um, is really important in paper Magic, and it's just not there in Magic Online because the computer takes care of all of that. Um, and we just don't have the faculty to do that unless we're all Borg, you know. Right. Uh, well, if we were all Borg, then playing Magic would be uh, irrelevant. Yeah, it would be irrelevant, right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just bring it up because uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Paper Magic fan. I, I don't like Magic Online that much. It's been a source of frustration for me. I got it, you know, logged into it to, to play in the Judge Open sunk some money into just uh you know drafting and whatnot and at the end of it it's just not i don't i don't get the thrill or the fun aspect that i do playing you know uh in person Uh, so for me to bring up something that magic online does better than paper magic now better is you know in air quotes here because i like the nonverbal communication i like reading people who i'm playing against you know Um, everybody has their own particular mannerisms. You can see, uh, how the game's going by watching them or, you know, people can be really good bluff artists. You know, you can really just sink back in your chair and slow roll something, uh, to sort of lead your opponent into making, uh, suboptimal plays. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of nonverbal communication that I like about paper magic, but there's, you know, there's really no stalling in it because even if you sit there and time out your clock, that means you lose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so, I, I think- so the uh, the uh, you know the the strategy quote unquote of stalling, which is uh, you know what Saito chose to do, uh, is leads to a loss. And for him, in this case, it led to a DQ and. Um, you know the the Hall of Fame for stalling for him. Now, well, do you know if he's going to be eligible again in the two years? You know, I, I don't know. Um, there's a there's actually some complication in the Hall of Fame issue, but we can get to that in a second here. I wanted to go back to something you said there um, about you know it, being able to slow roll your opponent in a um, in a game of paper magic, um, and you can do that. But there's a difference about you know there's a difference of, of Bluffing a, it, there are other ways of bluffing than simply taking more time and playing slowly. Oh yeah, but that's not what slow roll means. Slow roll right. is sort of like uh, pretending you don't have something or or stall, uh, not stalling, but like you know slumping back in your chair, playing you know rope a dope. Sure, uh, sure, sure. This the the sort of thing that uh, everybody in Vegas does when they they first try poker. Right. Uh, where they say, "Oh boy, that's a terrible!" And when they've got the the pocket aces or whatever, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. 
Um, okay, so that's. But the also the idea of um, the line between slow play and uh, and stalling, I think, is important for for players to understand and also judges because. Um, you know, I, I've seen judges in forums uh, talking about this issue with Saito, uh, where they decided, you know, I I would have a very hard time making that call and just calling somebody on stalling, or I would have to consult with other judges to make sure that we did that that it was correct and not just slow play. Um, and it's it's I can understand the connection that people draw between the two, but I do see them as as very distinctly different. Um, different infractions now granted the ipg says you know if it's basically that uh you know stalling is on it stalling is intentional slow play um and that's that's basically accurate but the difference between them really um there's intent um but it's also that really stalling you're really only ever going to see it at the end of a round um, I mean, I suppose you could see it between games if you if you're expecting, uh, say, a control mirror to go really long. That you could take a lot of time between games one and two to shave off a couple minutes at the end of that. Uh, but that's really hard to figure out. I think I, I would have a hard time, um, you know, putting stalling to something like that. It's really only going to happen at the end of the round, and slow play can happen anytime. Right. Um, and beyond that. Um, stalling is is it has such a specific intent, um, and it's a it's actually really easy to figure out. You know, looking at at a, a situation, is this a potential stalling situation, or is it, or should I only be looking for slow play in this situation? Um, I mean, you're going to be able to find that it, opportunities where stalling will occur or may occur um, are going to be pretty easy to identify. You know, toward the end of a round. Uh, where you have one player um, for whom a draw would be equivalent to a loss um, and where you have another player for whom a draw is equivalent to a win, who would have otherwise wanted to ID, for instance. Um, or if you have um, you know, one, uh, one player with his back to the clock and the other one facing the clock, and it's very easy to see between. Or if you have I mean, a lot of, a lot of easy ways to see where stalling is more likely. Um, this is just the same way that you have. An, there are good triggers to be able to see when bribery is more likely. Um, th- those sorts of things. Right. Um, I guess that's okay. So that's that's stalling, and really, um, yeah, stalling is slow play with the intent to make it slow play. Uh, you know, abusing the clock. Um, don't do it, kids. That's the um, that's the the public service announcement. Here is uh, don't do it. Um, and anything more on slow play before we get into the Hall of Fame issue? No, no, I just, uh, I wanted to draw the parallel, uh, to actual sports because, you know, that's a competitively minded activity, uh, playing sports. If you're playing, you know, um, obviously schoolyard ball, you know, nobody has a clock. You just play, uh, to points or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's seen as a skill in certain sports, but here it is, Decuable, and the guideline is, you know, if you think that you can use something other than the game to figure out the outcome of the game, then it's probably wrong. Mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, it's using the clock uh, instead of the magic cards in front of you to decide uh, the outcome of the game. 
Absolutely. So. That's that's a, a great way to put it. That's a great way to generalize that. Um, and I that's fantastic. Um, now, uh, now I wanna I wanna put you on the spot and ask you how how do you feel? You said there were two camps. Um, you know, uh, LSV uh, editor in chief of Channel Fireball mm-hmm. wrote a, a post saying that Tamaharo Saito is no longer uh, writing for them. Mm-hmm. He, he he is basically steering Channel Fireball in the sucks to be you Saito camp. Um, so what about you? What, what camp are you in? Um, well, you know, I, I actually did a little bit of research looking up um, his personal blog um, and getting it translated um, into English. On, you know, there, there are a number of ways you can do that on the web, get, get something in Japanese translated to English. So I looked at his blog, um, looked at his post there, um, sort of got a, a sense of what he was saying about it there, um, and then also a sense from other people translating that. Um, and talking about his reaction, also his note on, on Channel Fireball. Um, looking at all that together, um, I get the sense that he still feels that he did not uh, stall. Um, he he has the he still has the sense that he did not stall, um, and that it was um, a misapplication of that penalty. Um, I tend to disagree. Um, and that's because I can't second guess a head judge's call after the fact. I, I have a hard time doing that in pretty much any case. Um, but also, especially knowing Nick Sefton um, and knowing, um, I mean, I can't say I know I know Nick very well. Um, though he and I have exchanged a few emails on, on articles and things like that. Um, the other thing is that um, he, I know that he um, is a is among the more conscientious uh, when it comes to uh, communication issues and also the the issue of making sure that uh, what a player says and intends to do is really what he is held to do and and understood to have said and done uh, I, I think that it's hard for me to say hard for me to contradict him uh, from his position as head judge of, of GP Florence in the first place, but in the second place, um, Nick's an all-around great guy, um, and I don't see why. I, I have a hard time disagreeing with a decision like that that he would make. Um, you know, every DQ is something that, um, even the even the clear-cut ones, you still stop and think. You still stop and think, okay, take a deep breath. I'm about to ruin somebody's day. Um, and when you do that, um, it's not. It's not something you can take lightly, um, and especially in this case, I'm sure Nick does not take this lightly. Um, so, what was that sound? That was a little mouse. Okay, well, that was a mouse. So, no, that, but uh, um, I think I've gone on enough on how great Nick is. But that's yeah. I I I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, you don't know unless you're there, right? Yeah, I, I think the second guessing that we see in the forums is is really, it's really tough, and also it's it's hard not to be drawn in by some of the trolls that say all judges are corrupt or judges are terrible, or you know, it's hard not to be drawn in by that. But um, yeah, but I think you know, let me tell you, I think if if you know a judge, if you know, you know, obviously it's not a blanket. I'm not going to say that every single judge is awesome, but. Everyone that I've met is awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, they're they're hardworking. They volunteer. 
their time to uh, run tournaments for people, um, you know, making sure that the game is run fair and that people are having fun is the number one thing that we do. So to have anybody even allude that saying that judges are corrupt or what, what have you, um, I really just, I can't dignify that. Yeah. And I, yeah, again, the, the rule for that is don't feed the trolls. Uh, yeah. but, uh, okay. So, um, okay. Moving on. All I can think of is mortal combat. You know, when I hear that gong, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So we're so talking about Saito a little bit more, but this time focusing on the Hall of Fame issue. You mentioned uh, so the issue that has come up here um, is that because Saito is suspended, uh, if there was a if, if balloting for the Hall of Fame was still going on, he would be ineligible. Um, people who are suspended are not eligible to be on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. The thing is, Saito's already been voted onto this year's list of inductees um, before all this happened. And the rules around this, strictly speaking, uh, say that if you are suspended, you cannot be on the ballot. They don't say anything about being inducted once you've already been um, chosen. So... I can definitely see Wizards saying, well, you know, we're going to need to change these rules. And yes, it's going to seem a little weird, but no, we're not going to let Saito into the Hall of Fame. And here's why. I can see them making that call, but it's a, it's a change that they would have to make. It's not just utilizing the rules as they exist now for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think they're totally within their power to do that. It does suck, but I mean, I, I can think of... Everybody out there is, is thinking about that and going, hmm, so does that mean if you're inducted, you can you can run the cheats at every tournament until you get, you know, in, and uh, you can't, you, you're still crowned as one of Magic's all-time pros? Well, yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, the Hall of Fame and, and it is really a PR thing to begin with, um, and, you know, it, you need it to reflect positively on, on the game. There's no, no other way around that. Uh, so I completely understand, and and it's not so much that a question of whether or not Wizards has the power to. Of course they do. I mean, it's their Hall of Fame. It's their game. Uh, I mean, they could decide not to. They could decide to stop printing Magic tomorrow if they felt like it. Um, but I think Hasbro would complain. But okay, right? Exactly. I mean, yes, there there are outside factors to that, but ultimately it is still theirs. Um, I, I mean, so it's not a matter of, of whether or not they can. It's whether or not they should. Um, my feeling on whether or not they should put Saito in the Hall of Fame, um, you know, this is this is he has done a lot of of good for the game um, in terms of promoting it and making, uh, you know, I mean, especially in Japan, he has really brought the face of the game to the forefront uh, and really, you know, given a lot of Japanese players a point to rally around and 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 some really interesting players that. You know, and, and with his store and everything else, he's definitely brought um, a professional face to the game. But I think this really overshadows a lot of that. Um, I think a lot of people can also take this in conjunction with um, his disqualification back in 2000 um, for bribery. Um, and I think taking those two together, um, I think 
uh, I know that, for instance, uh, I, I think a lot of people would not vote for him if they had the opportunity to do so again. Um, and actually, point in fact, our former host uh, here, our former partner here, Ricky, um, I actually asked him about this because he's a level three judge. Um, he had a vote um, for the Hall of Fame, and he actually did vote for Saito uh, this year when the vote came up. Um, and so I asked him about that, um, and his response was that uh, he's very disappointed, um, and that if there was a uh, that he had voted for, um, well, in fact, rather than rather than actually mischaracterize what Ricky said, let me actually get it. And actually, bring up Ricky's um, Ricky's actual quote. Yeah, good idea. But t- while I do this, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about what you think about this? Well, um, I I agree that he should be forestalled uh, from joining the Hall of Fame. Um, if I had my way, I mean, I I don't think that a disqualification. Uh, is something that you can ignore when it comes to um, uh, Hall of Fame. I think that um, that doesn't mean that you're totally out. Mm-hmm. But I think that a disqualification definitely, you know, it's smoke, in, in other words. And, you know, if uh, if you give somebody the benefit of the doubt, they have a disqualification, who knows what happened. Um, you know, it was a while ago. That's what a lot of people say. You know, people can change. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, that's, that's what a lot of people went for, uh, with him, you know, um, he was DQ'd in 2000, I believe. And, yeah. you know, that was a decade ago. So that was, uh, you know, well, and that's, that's what Ricky said too here is Ricky's then let me just quote, quote what Ricky said here. Ricky Hayashi, level three judge in Virginia, works for Star City Games, uh, though I'm sure what he said here is not as a representative of Star City. He's just representing himself. Um, As someone who voted for him, believing that his transgressions were far in the past, I am deeply disappointed. If there were to be a revote, I would most likely not vote for him. That's... that's... Ricky is a master of brevity and uh, (laughs) poignantness. (laughs) Yeah, no, this, that's not sarcasm. It, it really is. I think that when Ricky talks, he gets right to the point, like literally like a dagger. Mm-hmm. He gets to that point, you know. Um, yep. Sorry, that's supposed to be a ding, like correct, but okay. yeah. That was more like a telephone. Sorry. Um, Ricky, Ricky is a, a very poignant uh, uh, speaker, and... He hit it on the ball for me. I, I totally agree. I think that I could have overlooked uh, the 2000 infraction. I could have. Um, it was a decade ago, and he has performed admirably since then. Um, but, you know, he's just uh, now he – the best thing I can say about him is he's a consummate player. He will use every advantage. Right, right. And I guess the proper response to that is – uh, DQ the player, not the game. Is that the? Uh... <laughs> so. Don't play a hate. No. Right. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay. Um, so, uh, have we killed this issue? You think? Have we talked about it enough? Yep. Okay. Now, what about some feedback uh, uh, that we had for the WPN changes? Yeah, talking you know, about dead horses and beating. You know? Oh God! Yeah, WPN changes. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, talk about your dead horses. Um, well, the horse. To be fair to the listeners, the horse was not dead. We've been trying to uh, get people to 
uh, go on record and answer your questions and ours uh, about what's gone on. And, and Sean, you can you can talk about your uh, results for that. Right. Uh, those results are, are less than stellar. Um, basically, um, to give you an idea, back when the Wizards Play Network changes were announced, um, then uh, basically. Uh, we decided that we would send uh, a note over to Wizards and say, hey, guys, uh, there's going to be you know, lots of people have questions here. What's the deal? Can we get more feedback um, and, and talk to somebody about these changes? Um, because a lot of people had feedback. A lot of our listeners um, you know, really did care about this issue. Um, so um, basically the response was uh, no. Um, and let me actually get the... Uh, Get the actual, you know, uh, message from Wizards, um, and and let me just I'll read the the quick question here is, um, we've read through the FAQ, we still have some lingering questions. Can you refer me to someone there who'd be willing to do an interview uh, for JudgeCast? Um, we've got a fair amount of interest from judges, players, and organizers alike who want to know what's driving this decision, and the marketing language on the FAQ just isn't sufficient. Um, there's more, there've been more calls for, uh, feedback on the judge email list. Uh, but it's again, a pretty closed system. We're looking to uh, shed some transparency on this decision and hopefully help communities figure out where they go from here. Um, so with that, um, the message we got back from, uh, wizards, uh, from one of their, uh, communications managers, uh, is this here. Um, unfortunately, we are unable to participate in your podcast at this time. I understand that you have some lingering questions regarding the changes that were made to the WPN levels and benefits, but the only information we can offer you is what is currently available in the FAQ. So that's a big, uh, cold shoulder, more or less. Yeah. Um, this seems to be one of those decisions that is unpopular. They know it's unpopular. They have their reasons for doing it. Their, their reasons for doing it, if brought to light, will probably be unpopular too. Well, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I, there's an option. There's an opportunity here where they were saying, you know, the same reason that they they said they were cutting out the uh, the Magic Player Rewards program, which we'll get to in a second, <laughs> right? Uh, but they said they were cutting that out. And they said, basically, we want to focus on stores and do more for stores. They said it with a little more detail when they cut out Magic Player Rewards. Um, but my hope is that they're actually able to do more stuff for stores for real. That means, like, sending stores promos to, to use or, you know, like, I mean, how cool would it be to get textless cards, um, you know, for playing an F&M the night of it in addition to the normal F&M promo? For everyone? Yeah, for everyone. Just a participation promo for an FNM. I mean, how cool would that be? You know, that would be cool. Something uh, you could do. Get... I have to uh, engage in any breath holding? Because yeah. I think. I mean, that's just one idea I have. I mean, I don't know how what they're actually going to be doing, but. And they haven't really told us yet, but I'm hoping that we get some information on something they can do soon. Right. So, so in a nutshell, um, well, it. Again, what I believe is that it's an unpopular change. They knew it was unpopular, mm-hmm. uh, or it was going to be unpopular when they announced it. They have reasons which they have not stated, which I can only assume would also be unpopular. Um, warranted or not, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not warranted. I mean, they 
that Wizard Wizard is a, a company who um, you know they have to they have to balance a lot of things and not all of it is transparent to us. Mm-hmm. But um, you know I, I don't think that they made this call. Uh, you know, thinking that uh, it's going to be all roses when they made the announcement. No, I that's think, why yeah. they haven't talked about the reasons. And um, you know, other than we're helping out stores, uh, which you know, if you recall our past uh, podcast, we talked about how that actually isn't the case. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, they they do not uh, uh, need to answer us or the people. They just make the their call however they like well right and, and ultimately i mean you know it's it's their business to screw up um but i i really do hope that we get more interest uh from from them in terms of transparency uh transparency not so much I mean, we don't care about your business practices we don't care about the time that it you know or or, or the yeah, i don't need to know the specific figures on what it costs to um you know to support the wizards play network exactly and how you're going to reallocate those funds somewhere else. I just need to know that there's something more coming down the line, that when I'm losing something, it means that I'm going to get something instead. It may cost you guys less to do. That's fine. I don't care about that. I just want to know that there's something going on. Um, and I guess that's, you know, it, it sounds like maybe that's too much to ask right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great segue to talk about the Magic Player Rewards. Um Mm-hmm. Magic Player Rewards, since we last recorded, uh, has also been done away with. They're going to send a one last mailer mm-hmm. come December. Uh, they said they would stuff it full of goodies. I hope so. Uh, going away present, as it were. Um, and then they, they specifically said they're going to take that money, essentially, those resources, and reinvest it in other things. This, at least, I can I can live with. I mean, I could, I don't like it. But it sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, like, I, I think well, there's good opportunities here. Yeah, it, it costs us money to do this. Uh, we can't afford to do this anymore. We're going to stop doing it, and the money we save will go for paying another design intern or, you know, what have you. Uh, that at least I can buy because that makes sense. It's hard to argue that if they stop doing the Magic Player Rewards, they will save money. And with that money, they can reinvest it in the game. Absolutely. I, I can't argue with that point, that they will they will save money doing this. Right. I mean, shipping shipping these cards, even a simple letter to every player that registered, I mean, that's that's ridiculously expensive. Yeah, exactly. So so when you tell me that, I buy it. That's, that's I think, my biggest problem with the WPN. Their uh, reasons were countermanded. On our show, um, I'm sure other people have talked about it, um, but there's you know there's no there's no truth in it. I wanted to get to the truth, right? So, we'll hopefully uh, hopefully get more information on that too. Okay, so enough of these horrible things. We've got a DQ, WPN screwing up, and Wizard and uh, and also the Magic Player rewards going away. Exactly. Happy holidays. Oh come on! There's got to be some awesome stuff going on, isn't there? Um, well, uh... I got my Fire and Lightning deck. I was really happy with that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I, I do not have one. Uh, how is it, and what is in it? Uh, well, it's pretty freaking awesome. Actually, I, I actually dissected most of it. Um, there, it comes with two Jackal Pups, which have the alternate art, of course. Um, and I'm giving one of those, uh, to Charlotte Sable up in, 
uh, up in Guelph in Canada because she, of course, goes by Jackal uh, or Jackal Girl on uh, IRC um, and expressed an interest in getting as many Jackal pups as she could. Um, so there's that. Um, but also, um, it comes with, uh, so I added to the cube now, uh, Jackal Pup, uh, Chain Lightning, uh, the Foil Lightning Bolt, some other stuff from there. Uh, the Chain Lightning is really awesome, alternate art now. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there, I think. I, I, I really enjoyed the deck. Um, you know, I played through it once um, and then decided, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm taking it apart for my cube because my cube was really not uh, strong in red. So now it's uh, stronger in red because of that. Um, so good stuff, though. That That is very cool. Yeah. I also found out that I already had a Jaya Ballard foil, so I didn't need the one that came with it um, <laughs> for the cube. But nonetheless, good stuff. Um, and then also, um, let's see, what else do we have that's going on really fun stuff in the world of magic? Or do we want to get into that, or do we want to uh, go into a new part of this segment here, a new part of this show? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm all for talking about fun stuff. Do you have any fun stuff? Are you are you trying to tell me that there isn't any fun stuff? Is that the... Uh, is, well, is that world the is going on. World is uh, going to be fantastic. Um, yes, world is going to be going on. There's all sorts of fun stuff happening in the world of magic. Um, in about half an hour, uh, right now it's Wednesday, December 1st at 8.32 p.m., um, in about half an hour, there will be a new announcement about EDH happening on uh, the Mothership. So hopefully we can st- take up this next half hour talking about some of the rules questions that came in. And then by the time we get to 9 o'clock, we can go over to the Mothership and see what's going on there for EDH. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. So let's get into listener questions. And I think we have... It's my crackly uh, uh, intro to the segment. I think you should do it anyway, though. <sighs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Mail time! There we go. All right. That's, I think that's the best sound effect of the entire show. Okay. And it's not even a real sound effect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's go on to... Um, aha! A very a quick question here from Dylan. Uh, Dylan asks, uh, I'm a rules Where's advisor. What's that? He said he's from Seattle. Oh. So he plays EDH almost exclusively. And recently, an issue came up regarding flip cards and targeting. He was playing Sasaya, which if you remember right, Sasaya is the one where um, if you reveal seven lands from your hand, uh, she flips. Right. And then I think she like works like a, I think a, a mana flare more or less. Um, a really good one. Um, so he was playing Sasaya, and his opponent tutored for Blatant Thievery. Because blatant th- because uh, of Blatant Thievery, basically once he got seven lands in hand, he decided to cast Sasaya but not flip her, reasoning that when he cast Blatant Thievery, or when his opponent cast Blatant Thievery, that uh, Dylan could respond by flipping her uh, thereby creating a different permanent and retaining control of Sasaya. So he says, basically, once all this happened, he argued that Sasaya was still the same permanent and that he would still gain control of it. And Dylan was sure he was correct, so couldn't, but couldn't explain why, so he wanted our help with it. 
Um, of course, he says, it's also possible that I'm completely wrong, and that's fine, too. He was probably going to win the game anyway. But not, <laughs> not, not that he was, but that his opponent was. Well, Dylan Dylan gets uh, props for uh, uh, flipping uh, Sasaya. Uh, she's hard to flip. Mm-hmm. But does he get Jester's props? mask aside? Does he get props for uh, for for s- preventing this uh, blatant thievery from happening? Eh, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, it's uh, still, fact, still the same permanent. In fact, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think we have. There we go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yes. So, uh, yeah, that didn't work. Um, and the reason is, actually, Jose, do you want to talk about the reason? That it's the same card, same permanent. Oh, sure. It's the same. It's the same object. Absolutely. Um, the thing is that, that I can understand because the name of the object changes. Somebody would think that it's a new object, but actually it's not. Uh, it hasn't changed zones, it doesn't go anywhere, it stays on the battlefield, and it is the same thing that it was before. The other part of this is that understanding what flipping a card means. Um, and flipping is actually just a change in status. Um, a, and the status of an object uh, could be that it's tapped or untapped, uh, phased in, phased out, all that sort of thing. Um, so a simple status of the object, flipped or unflipped, that's a simple status issue. It's not... Um, it doesn't change the object itself, just like tapping or untapping your permanents doesn't change whether or not they are the same permanent. Um, oh, that's a great that's a great uh, explanation of it. Yeah, the, well, and the technical word of what a status of an object is uh, is, I think, an important thing for our listeners to understand. Um, so, okay. So the name of a flipped card. Mm-hmm. Does that change when it's on the battlefield? Oh yeah, yeah. The name of the object, for instance, if you need to, uh, if yeah, the name of the object is being changed. But uh, so, for instance, if you um, ruined Halo, for instance, if there, if if he had cast Opalescence um, and was able to use that flipped, you know, that flipped creature, now creature that was a was a an enchantment. Uh, and attack you, um, it, it's that new named permanent, and it's not the one that he named with Rune Halo when it was initially down there, if you know what I mean. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Rune Halo will not protect you from the backside of a flip card. Right. Uh, unless you name that backside. <laughs> <laughs> and then it will not protect you against the front side. Correct. Um, although I, yeah. Are we sure that we refer to these flip cards as back and front? Uh, top or bottom, I don't know. Flipped or unflipped side, I think is probably the correct Flipped side. or unflipped. I think that's the most PC. Yeah. Okay, well, there you okay. go, Dylan. Okay, well, we have a question here from Brendan. If you want to move on to Brendan's question. He doesn't say where he's from. So, Jose, you want to you want to just uh, throw a dart at the map up on your wall there and tell me where Brendan is from? He's from uh, Cologne. Cologne. Cologne in, in Germany? Yes. Okay, well, that's nice. Um, of course, uh, yeah, it's probably a nice smelling place, too. Um, <laughs> I, Of course, I'm not going to try a German accent because I'll just end up yelling and screaming and being offensive toward other people. So, <laughs> uh, not, not all Germans yell and scream. I, that's what I'm saying. It would have been a stereotype, so I'm not going to try it. 
Um, I mean, it's, you know, the, the Russian accents, at least that's, that's, no, it's not even funny either. Um, okay. Well, hi, JudgeCast crew. This question is more a question about judging and procedure than rules. What does a judge do if one of the players of a match refuses to sign the slip? So, Jose, you get called over to a match, and uh, player A says, I've signed the slip, I filled it out correctly, um, but my opponent won't sign it. What do you do? Well, that's a that's a good question, actually. Um, uh, for my part, uh, uh, first thing I do is I ask the player if the slip is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's perfectly okay to not sign the slip if what's on the slip is wrong, you know. Uh, sure. And it's also fine to call a judge over so that he can oversee the filling out and sort of settle the dispute between the two players. Yeah, it'd be nice if not every player did this, but yeah, that's... that's. I mean, yeah, of, of course. <laughs> no, I won. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... If I don't want to see that. But, yeah, if, you're, if your question as to why is answered by something like, well, it's not correctly filled out, or my opponent cheated me out of a game... I mean that that that's definitely grounds to ask more questions. Right. right. So that's that that's sort of my first step. Um, but uh, barring that, if if the guy says I'm not going to sign it, this game's a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, I, as a judge, am well within my rights to uh, tell him to uh, uh, sign the uh, slip, yeah, or just... at least get him to agree that the slip is correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there there are situations also where, I mean, I have had this come up uh, in uh, at a, a grand, not a Grand Prix, uh, maybe it was a Grand Prix. Anyway, a large event down in L.A. Uh, where uh, right before the tournament, we actually had one of the judges come up to us and say, by the way, I want you to know um, that uh, because this is a Saturday event um, and we have a Hasidic Jew in, in the tournament here, um, he's going to be asking you to uh, to verify his slip every time his match is done with because he can't use the pen uh, to to sign it uh, because of his religious beliefs. Um, and that was, I mean, it's an interesting situation, but of course we're willing to accommodate that. Um, and and a simple, um, you know, when we're aware of that, especially ahead of time, um, you know, we're happy to accommodate it with simple verbal confirmation, and then we'll, you know, either the judge will sign it or they'll just check it off, and and we can we can definitely work that out. Um, the other uh, uh, instant would be a a, uh, a physical disability that would pr- prevent somebody from actually signing it. Um, you know, if they they somehow don't have the dexterity to to sign a piece of paper, that's fine. We can we can still work with them. Right. Um, so that that's that's definitely uh, yeah, that's definitely how. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the, I guess the last the last case scenario, if he won't confirm or deny what's on the slip, because that's an easy workaround, you know. If he if he said I'm not going to sign that slip, and you say, okay, did you did you win? Did you win two one or did you lose? I, I figure the the loser is the one that's not going to uh, sign the slip. Did you lose two uh, one or two zero? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's so good enough. Okay. Okay. Let's. So, and of course, uh, the, I guess if he refuses to answer questions, and that falls squarely into a failure to follow uh, uh, the a direct instruction. Direct yeah. instruction, exactly. So that brings penalties with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, you could probably go that direction with it. I mean, chances are you don't need to. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, it's, I, it's, I honestly think that 
99% of the time, this is not going to be an issue. If the guy refuses to sign the slip, just get him to confirm verbally to, to you, to the judge, mm-hmm. um, what the match result was, and then just take it up. Yeah, I did have something weird happen at States when I was head judge of that, though, uh, where we had one player, uh, well, one one match where the two players couldn't decide on the means of figuring out who goes first. <laughs> um, that one of them wanted to roll one die, and one of them insisted that it had to be two dice, and uh, basically they they couldn't come to an agreement on that, um, and that was that was. There are a few times in my judging career where I feel more like a babysitter than that moment. Uh, but that was definitely one where I had to just, I just had to say, okay, you roll this die, you roll that die, high roll wins, go. Um, and and just, just, I kind of talked to them a little bit afterward and said, look, guys, um, both of you just need, for something this simple, you need to be able to communicate with one another and come to some sort of agreement. In the future, just try to be more flexible. <laughs> um, you know, commu- basically, a, a more communication is better than, than just being obstinate. Um, okay. Building bridges, Sean. Building bridges. Okay. Um, well, we have a question here from John. Uh or rather, Jonathan. Uh, he's actually over at Four Spikes, the uh, the podcast out that direction uh, on MTG Cast and a couple other networks. I believe they're on. Um, and he he actually asks us. He wants to go back to the WPN issue. Do you feel like uh, entertaining this for a minute? I I will talk about the WPN issue till I'm blue in the face. Okay. Uh, I just don't. Uh, I just uh, want to preface by saying this is my my personal opinion. Okay. I'm not representing anyone but myself. Okay. Well, here's the here's the the simple complex question: Is there anything possibly that could be a good benefit that you would see from this? Uh, is it all bad, or all of the changes all bad, or is there anything anything that we can look forward to from it? Well, I think. Well, I mean. Come on, change is change. Is change. Uh, depending on your vantage point, it could be good or bad. So, uh, you know, I come from a vantage point of a uh, person who wanted to run tournaments, became a judge largely to run tournaments for uh, more casual tournaments, sort of grassroots, um, sort of, you know, grow my, my community and make sure that the people that are playing magic around me are having fun and having a good experience. That's why I became a a judge. So really the WPN tied into that because it gave judges the ability to run tournaments and sanction them. Mm -hmm. Um, Judges have lost that ability. So uh, my, from my vantage point, um, there is not a positive uh, change from this. If you're a store, um, there. You can look at it as a positive because now, you know, you don't need uh, to deal with a particular person outside of your store if you didn't have one uh, to run the tournament. You can just uh, do it yourself because you have that ability. But you're going to need somebody to run the tournaments anyhow. Um, If you had somebody in your store sign up for the WPN, it's the same thing. So I really have trouble seeing 
how it's a positive change for a store when it, it didn't really change for them anyway. So, you know, the workaround for it was pretty, pretty uh, basic. So I have trouble seeing a positive change, a positive effect from this change. And I totally, totally invite any listener who has had a positive experience to this uh, WPN change to write us. Please let me know. I want to I wanna hear the uh, success stories from the new change. I do. Me personally, I'm down on it, but I want to see, I still want to see people have fun and play magic. So if you have a good story, uh, send it in. Um, but to answer that question, I, I don't, I don't have a, a, anything that I can think of that makes us positive. Okay, well that's that's fair. I mean, I I just wanted to put the question out there um, and see if there's anything that, that we might have to add to that. But um, it might sound like that. Okay, um, I personally have have again not many positives to see out of that change. Um, at the risk of possibly you know ruffling some feathers, I I will um, be approaching a couple people at. Um, at Worlds to see if maybe we can we can ask a couple questions about that, uh, but no promises on whether or not they'll they'll be able to answer them or whether or not I'll be able to keep recording after I ask them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, realistically speaking, I, I think uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, <sighs> yeah, def- definitely a lot more room to talk about that. Um, and you know, as soon as they roll out the new big change that would that would be different for this. Like I think a lot of this uncertainty just evaporates, and people are like, "Okay, well then let's move on to this. What if this cool new thing is?" Um, so far, I haven't seen it though. You know, right? Okay, well let's move on now to um, another rules question. Uh, this one comes from Eric. Uh, he's been playing for a while, and there are a few cards I'd like uh, that he would like for us to explain in better detail. Please, Catapult Master. Um, and also the same question for Captivating Vampire. Does I, can see, I can see why he asks these questions, because there isn't much to do in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's dark oh. a lot of days out of the year, especially now. Yeah. It's just dark. So, um, yeah, he definitely has some insightful questions to ask about these cards. Okay. Well, you know, the, the um, Catapult Master has some of my favorite flavor text. Yes, there is no I in team, but there is a we in weapon. That's right. And you know what the art uh, reminds me of, too? This is Sparta! (laughs) Oh, man, that is awesome. (laughs) I will never look at the Catapult Master the same way again. Yeah, doesn't he? He is now Sparta kick guy. Yeah, no, he, he totally is. He totally is. Um, Yeah. So and he's also – okay, so so Eric has this question also for Captivating Vampire. Uh, he wants to know, does summoning sickness affect them or any other creature uh, from being tapped to activate – okay, when he says does summoning sickness affect them, well, of course, a creature is almost always affected by summoning sickness unless it has haste. Um, now, the, the – the, uh, Or super haste. Or, or I mean, there are a couple other instances, like Thousand Year Elixir, perhaps. Um, but um, what we're really looking at here is, does Summoning Sickness prevent them from being activated, their activated abilities, uh, from being activated? 
on the turn that they enter the battlefield. That's really the the issue there. So let's let's go first into Catapult Master and Captivating Vampire. That's his first question. He's got another one, but let's deal with this one first. Okay, that, that one's uh, pretty easy. Uh, summoning Sickness does not let a creature attack or uh, use any activated ability with tap in its, uh, in its uh, activation. Tap meaning you, you, the tap symbol, like uh, as part of a cost. Um, what, what cards like Captivating Vampire, Catapult Master, uh, Voice of the Woods, these guys, um, they let you tap untapped creatures. And it's really, it's really close. Like, you know, it's, it, it seems like it should almost be the same thing, but it is not. Right. Uh, you, can, you can activate that ability because it does not have the tap symbol as part of its cost. What the uh, cost is doing is just tapping untapped creatures. Uh, so you can tap any five uh, untapped creatures uh, you control, including the Catapult Master, the Captivating Vampire um, itself, to activate mm-hmm. uh, uh, each of these guys. So, Absolutely. I completely agree, and that's that, that's also the same. Uh, it's actually that the the reason that all of that, well, rather because of all of that, um, it's the same reason that allows Nell Sentinel and Heritage Druid to work in, uh, in Extended uh, to make all the mana that people want to make for their off combo decks. Right. Exactly. Okay. And if people don't know that um, Nettle Sentinel. Uh, is a green creature that whenever you play a green spell, it untaps, mm-hmm. um, but it does not untap normally. And Heritage Druid um, is a creature, a little elf, that lets you tap three untapped elves to add three green mana to your mana pool. Right. Nettle Sentinel, of course, being an elf, um, if you tap him and two buddies, uh, hopefully two other Nettle Sentinels, mm-hmm. um, and use three and get three green mana and play a green spell, those Nettle Sentinels untap. So there's your engine, right? Exactly, and that's uh, it's important also to note that for something like Heritage Druid, um, or for something like Captivating Vampire, or the, all these other that say tap a certain number of things, uh, for that you, you need to be able to tap that many different things. There's no way that you can say uh, for Captivating Vampire tap and untap the same vampire you know four or five times to help pay for that cost, right? We, four or five different vampires, or four or five, you know, however many it is. Yeah. Uh, or, or in Heritage Druid's case, three different elves. Yeah, it's, especially since you can play multiple spells, maybe you're playing instants and thinking that you can stack somehow the Nettle Sentinel's untap ability while you're trying to activate uh, Heritage Druid. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Um, okay, then Eric's other question um, is... Uh, regarding Stormfront Riders. And it sounds to me like Eric just recently purchased the uh, Elspeth and Tezzeret dual decks or uh, something like that because Stormfront Riders is in there and so is Catapult Master. Oh. Um, so, um, so uh, Stormfront Riders, when it enters the battlefield, uh, it has a triggered ability, and he wants to know if you can return itself uh, to your hand since it is a creature that you control. Um, and then the next question after that is, if I return it using its triggered ability, do I still get the token? Okay, those are those are two good questions. Um, they, it, it works uh, as hopefully he expects it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes into play, it's a triggered ability, so it'll be in play 
when the tr when the trigger goes on the stack. Um, you'll have to return two creatures. Um, it does not say other creatures, so um, it is a legal target. And in fact, if you only have two or one creature, um, mm -hmm. you'll have to return it. Right. So, uh, so if you have two creatures, you're returning that creature and itself. Um, so, yeah. So you can return it. And um, when you return it, the other trigger will uh, go on the stack uh, as well. Okay. Well, that's so you can, you can definitely set up a, a little engine there, very slow engine, mind you, but because um, Stormfront Riders doesn't have flash. Um, I'm very sad about that. Um, so you, you can return itself and another creature to make two tokens. Mm -hmm. And next time you play, you can return it and one of the two tokens to make two tokens. Mm -hmm. so, you, know, uh, you know my favorite card is to return white creatures to your, to your hand at instant speed or with, with flash? The favorite, favorite creature of mine with flash that has that? What? Dust Elemental. Dust Elemental. I don't know why more people aren't playing with that card or, or don't play or had didn't play with that card when they had the chance. Well, I, because you look at that card and it makes no sense. <laughs> it, it, you're right. It, it, I mean, flavor-wise, I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, it's a 6-6 six, six with, what, flying and fear or just fear? Um, I don't recall offhand. I'm usually pretty good about that. But okay. I know it has fear. Like, old school cannot be blocked except by black creatures and artifact creatures. Right. right? Um, and it does have flash, so right. kind of weird. Okay, here, wait, let me go find it here. Give me a second. But, you know, um, I'm looking it up. Hold on, hold on. Okay, here we go. I like, I like. Um, yeah, Dust Elemental, yeah, it has Flash, Flying, and Fear. There you go, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, and it's not just white creatures either. It's the return three creatures you control to owner's hand. Yep. So that's back, I mean, can you imagine that? Four mana for a 6-6 six, six Flying, Fear, Giant, Monster. That that just fantastic. Yeah, and it's pretty good in uh, EDH. A lot of people are play, you know, uh, board sweeps. So uh, oh, you yeah. can definitely save your creatures from it even if you don't have three creatures um you can you can save you know essentially up to three well right or you two and itself also yeah exactly two and itself uh from uh certain doom at the hands of you know your decrees of pain and whatnot yeah or, or i mean with token decks i mean there's plenty of good stuff to do there yep. okay all right well let's let's move on now to our next question um so yeah the answer stormfront writers got that taken care of so, um, this comes from Reese, and Reese gives us his location. He's from Issaquah, 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 um, in Washington. Ah. Issaquah, Washington. West Coast love uh, today. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, hey guys, great cast. Got a question on what happens when multiple mimic vats are on the field. Say your opponent has one out. And you have two. Your opponent has a worm coil engine on his. Would both my vats have access to the worm coil? Assuming it dies. Or does each vat have its own exile? And if that's true, who would take priority when something dies? Also, the wording makes it seem like if I had two out, they would both be the same creature, and it would replace my opponent's creature if I exiled something new. This has been bothering me since I saw the spoiler. Seems weird. <laughs> 
how smooth he suddenly sounded. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, sorry. I, I transitioned into radio voice there for a minute. That was awesome. <clears throat> I loved it. You're listening to KXG. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I attribute a large part of uh, any success that we have to your radio voice, so it's all right. Oh, you know, I should have. I, we should actually change this to you're listening to KMTG. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. oh yes, I like it. Okay, so. Um, <clears throat> So the it's it's actually I think some confusion going on here with regard to how m- each mimic vat interacts with all the other mimic vats. Um, with multiple mimic vats on the field, the first thing to realize is that they all are independent things from one another. Um, that when an object is imp- when the card is imprinted upon an object. Um, that card is imprinted on for, for that object's purposes and not the purposes of anything else that has imprint um, on the battlefield or elsewhere. Moreover, uh, when it says that you can get rid of all the other imprinted cards on Mimic Bat, it's also just talking about itself. Right. Whenever a card refers to, uses its own name in its, in its text box, in its rules text, it's talking about this object, its own, its its own damn self. Um, there are, if it if it means anything different, uh, for instance, with uh, brothers y- Yamakazi, I think is the name of them, the the guys from uh, Champions of Kamigawa, the Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah exactly those guys. Um, they talk about another card named blank when they talk about that other thing. Um, or so that's that's when they're using that name. They they're very specific in what they mean by that. In or it's, I guess in the brothers' case, they use another creature named whatever. But at the same time, they're very specific about it's a different one than this one that I'm using right now to describe the rules. So mimic vats only affect themselves in terms of not being able to affect other mimic vats. Okay. So that's a that's a first quick quick aside here. Um, but it is really interesting to consider what happens when multiple mimic vats are on the battlefield, controlled by different players, and something dies. So, Jose? Take this one. Well, I mean, I have a mimic vat, you have a mimic vat, my worm coil engine dies on my turn. Ah, okay. That's that's the, impo- that's the important part that was left out of the, uh, the question. Because <laughs> um, the answer is, it depends. Absolutely. Whosever turn it is not is the one who gets the first shot at the creature uh, that died. So if you and I both have a mimic vat and uh, your worm coil engine dies or um, my worm coil engine dies, Mm -hmm. but it's your turn, Mm -hmm. you, as the active player, get to put all your triggered abilities on the stack, whatever order you want, but you put them all on there first. Right. And then non-active players in turn order get to put their uh, triggered abilities um, on the stack in any order that they want. So since my stuff's on the stack first, I get first dibs on the worm coil engine. Right. And so it's it was- funny you mentioned worm coil engine too, because uh, remember that the uh, mimic vat tokens exile; they don't uh, die, so you don't <laughs> get you don't get the uh, worm coil the mini worms. Uh-huh. The gummy worms, if you will. Right, you don't, you don't get the giant army of them for, yeah. for having it on Mimic Fat, sure. 
if the token dies of natural causes, uh, such as in combat or culling dice or what have you, mm -hmm. uh, you do get the tokens, but right. uh, not from just its natural expiration right. or eating them. Right, right. Now, that also, I think, came up, uh, the, the same question of them being active player, not active player order. Uh, that's that's also come up in, in cases where, say there's only one Mimic that on the field, but I want your Emrakul Aeon's Torn. Oh, great example. You know, if I, if I want your Emrakul Aeon's Torn on my Mimic that, whose turn do I have to kill it on? You have to kill it on not your turn. Right. <laughs> because otherwise it'll be shuffled and then you can't go after it. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's another good example. But you're going to have to find some crazy way to kill that Emrakul because, you know, it's protection from colored spells and all. Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to do that still. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that comes to the end of the interesting questions that we got uh, for the podcast this time. Um, and, hey, look at that. It's 9.04. So thanks for sticking with us, folks. I'm going over to dailymtg.com right now. And we're about to find out what the um, announcement for EDH is. And while he's doing that, I will uh, plug our um, uh, Facebook page, which you can go to. Just look for us on JudgeCast. And feel free to comment if you like the show, if you don't like the show. If you have good stories from the WPN change, please chime in. Um, and if you have opinions on all the stuff we talked about today, um, you can, you know, uh, chime in there too. Tamaharu Saito, a lot of juicy stuff. Tamaharu Saito, um, the Magic Player Rewards going away, of course the WPN, and um, if you just want to uh, compliment Sean on his radio voice, you can do it there too. Or, you can or also Jose on his radio voice. <laughs> I don't have a radio voice. Um, uh, you can also write us at judgecast at gmail.com and comment uh, on our show uh, on MTGcast or on Mana Nation. Okay, so this is a major announcement for Elder Dragon Highlander. Uh, in fact, I think that's the last time I'm going to use the words Elder Dragon Highlander. That's how big this announcement is. Jose, are you reading it also or no? I'm not. I, I'm, okay. I'm not typing anything. I'm, I'm waiting here with okay. bated breath, then, Sean. Then, okay, this is the, the feature article on magicthegathering.com or MTG, dailymtg.com today uh, for December 2nd. Um, is titled Magic the Gathering Commander. Okay, so the basic idea there, there are, are five, four, five points here. Actually, there's a lot of points, but okay. Let's go over the first. Basically, he says, here's what you need to know. The format is now known as Commander. EDH, Elder Dragon Highlander, that's going away. Okay? The format's official website has changed from dragonhighlander.net to mtgcommander.net. And they're still going to work with the rules committee uh, that has been established at dragonhighlander.net for so long. Um, they're they're working with them completely. Okay. Also, they're releasing MTG Commander, uh, Magic the Gathering Commander, in June as a multiplayer product. What? They're they're releasing five hundred card singleton decks for thirty five bucks each. 
Hold on. They're releasing a single 500 card singleton. The, no, no, the, the five different ones for 35 each. Oh, okay. So it's basically so five 100 card singleton decks. Right. They're, they're releasing EDH precons. Okay. Um. And. Huh. <laughs> Each of them includes three legendary cards that are like oversized. That's kind of neat. Like like sort of like Vanguard cards, but like for your, your general. Um, of course, they also have the real, real card of it in the deck too. Um, oh wow, this is different. Um, they're actually creating new cards. What? They're creating fifty-one unique new cards, spread across the decks. They're real black-bordered magic cards. They're legal in eternal formats. Um, they're, so they're not going. So this is the first time where they're printing new cards, but they're not going to be legal in standard. That's really weird. Wow. Yeah. Damn you, wizards! That's a, isn't that amazing? Because I, I was about to skip it. Because chances are, I have most of the cards. Yeah, no. But it's, now I'm guaranteed to not have <laughs> most of the cards. Right, and you're going to end up buying like what is that? Five times thirty-five. That's a that's a lot of money. Yes. Uh, is that one hundred seventy-five bucks? Is that one hundred and seventy-five bucks? Did I just do the math wrong? Yeah, no, that's yeah. No, you did it right. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, wow. Um, so they actually preview one of the cards here uh, called Death by Dragons. Uh, it's a six mana sorcery, costs four and two red. Each player other than target player puts a five five red dragon onto the battlefield. <laughs> oh, that is great. And the, the flavor text on it is suddenly Eldo felt very alone. <laughs> wow. That is that is pretty good, but you know this is this is huge, okay? Because they said that they would not, you know, uh, do these limited release original cards, um, you know, doing like the book promos and stuff. Um, I'm gonna have to double check the exact wording on on the promise they made, but they said something akin to because these things are hard to get, we're not going to do them again. You know, mm-hmm. cards like. Uh, you know, Mana Crypt, and, and uh, which is, of course, uh, the the poster child of this sort of uh, card. Uh, another perennial favorite is Arena, but that got reprinted in uh, Time Spiral's Time Shifted Sheet. So, wow. but other than that, uh, they were doing it as a limited release. In other words, you, you would need to buy something to get these cards. Well, no, there's, but, there's more to it, though. There's really more to it. They, they describe the decks they're going to be making... Um, and they're all going to be wedges. Oh. They're all going to be, so their orientation is going to be like, um, you know, it'll be something like, uh, like green, red, and blue. Okay. You know, or it'll be, uh, black, green, and blue. But didn't you say earlier that there was, uh, a... Three three uh, cards per uh, deck that are oversized that you can use as your general. Right. Uh, now I think for some for some wedges, I mean they're only making are they making five? Did that, oh, they're they, yeah, I guess they are making five. 
Um, and it says, hold on. Yeah, I mean, now, granted, this is in June, so maybe between now and then we'll get a couple more blue-green-red generals. Or blue-green, yeah, blue-green-red generals. Or that would have green. to be some serious uh, uh, printing, because, I mean, think about it. How many sets do we have from here till June? Yeah. We just have uh, Meriden Besieged and, and the last one for Meriden Block. Yeah. Scars Block, rather. Huh. Because M12 comes out, I think, in June or July. So. Well, and, and yeah, the, the corsets traditionally don't have many multicolored cards either. So yeah. That's, uh... So you're telling me that in the two artifact uh, cycles, we're going to get uh, those wedge-colored generals? You know, I, or maybe they're part of the 51 cards. Wow. All new generals? Possibly. Possibly, I don't know, but possibly. God, man, I already got to pay state tax in California. <laughs> now I got to pay 175 bucks to get these. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. I don't know if the listeners understand the depth of my uh, OCness when it comes to this. I mean, I'm pretty moderate, um, but you know, like, you know, you should see my apartment. It's loaded with Legos. Mm-hmm. This is this is how obsessive compulsive my collection. Oh sh- oh wait hold on oh shit oh wait there's more to this okay oh no okay so there's so NS not safe for work now you cursed no that's fine um so what happens here is first off they're changing the rules for commander online to more closely match paper rules I think that's the right. first time where they've actually because they they want to keep Sheldon and the rules committee intact. And they're not taking it over. They're just saying, you know, we're going to run with what you guys have. You guys made a good, good thing. Um, so they're going to change their rules online to reflect the paper rules more closely. Because Commander Online was a little different. Right. So, wow. They're changing the rules online to, to reflect that. And this for the collectors out there, like Jose, uh, there's another problem. Um in addition to English, you'll be able to buy the decks in French, German, Italian, Japanese, and Spanish. Ay caramba! <laughs> so if you want one of everything, then uh, yeah. yeah, then you've got you've got a lot of work to do. Married. Um. Wow. Okay, so then the the. Uh, oh wait a minute, huh? The uh, MSRP on these actually, uh, on the on the page they say announcing it in Arcana, the MSRP there says thirty bucks, not thirty five. But their article says thirty five. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting difference. Um, and then also they say that they have launch parties June seventeenth through nineteenth. I am so glad that we looked at this as soon as it came out because that's the sort of thing that they will edit. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, they're going to change the matrix. <laughs> I, you okay, know, actually, but now the cat, listeners know. They cat. know that there was dispute. 30 bucks? 35 bucks? Who knows? I'm going to go with 30 bucks. Yeah. Wow. And now, of course, the mtgcommander.net uh server is taking for freaking ever <laughs> because they have a preview there and they've got some pretty badass art oh wow okay Endoran's colors Endoran's colors this new general they have 
Oh, new generals! New general in Doran. Uh, that they're previewing here. That is, is black, green, white. Yes, it is Karador Ghost Chieftain. Uh, it's a five, a black, a green, and a white. So a total of eight to cast. Uh, Nobody likes high cast generals. He's a legendary centaur. Well, of course he's legendary. Uh, he is a centaur spirit, and he is only a three-four. So he costs eight, though. Now, the, the, the catch here is that he costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Wait, wait, wait. That's it? Well, no, because he's got another ability. Oh. During each of your turns, you may cast one creature card from your graveyard. done. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Nicely done. Wow. Because the uh, cost reduction affects his uh, extra cost from the uh, command zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is this is a classic dredge general. So, exactly. So, you know, if you keep uh, putting guys in your graveyard, you can just keep casting them for three and mm-hmm. then cast uh, a guy from uh, your yard. Okay. So, so, Jose, you remember back when we were griping about um, you know, how, how there's all this bad news, Saito and, you know, it, Wizards Play Network and Magic Play Rewards, all that crap. This is one where I actually feel comfortable um, just doing this. I think that's, that's, that's I think people were a little worried about what the change would be. Um, and it looks pretty freaking awesome. I'm pretty excited about this. Pretty awesome for Wizards. They're going to make some bank on this. They will definitely make some money on it, but I think they they have, for once, they have made a change that does not really piss anybody off. I I, I agree. In fact, uh, I think this product hits on a lot of, a lot of you know, going on all cylinders here. New cards. So, you know, guys like me are going to have to buy them all, mm-hmm. even though we play uh, EDH. Um, yeah as regularly as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they got the new cards. They made them wedge color, which is something that, you know, people have been clamoring for more wedge color generals. People like those colors. Yeah, they I'm don't tired, want to have to... I'm tired of Varash the Hunter all the time for that only, yeah. that combination, you know? And, and that combination is pretty fun, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's always Varash the Hunter uh, and those colors. Um, you know, at least black, green, white had Doran, uh, uh, you know, as, in addition to Tenep. Um, so, yeah, um, pretty damn cool. Okay, wow. You know, just just when I thought they couldn't get any dumber, they go and do something like this. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And totally redeem themselves. <laughs> do you forgive them for the WPN now? No. Okay, okay. <laughs> you have to understand I became a judge To use the WPN To run tournaments for yeah, no. children. I had to write an email Telling kids I can't uh, Sponsor their tournament Yeah Foul Yeah However this is pretty cool Okay well I think we should end on that high note How about you I, I agree. 
Okay. So from all of us here at JudgeCast, well, both of us, but all of us, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. Worlds is going to be freaking awesome, and we're going to have a ton of amazing content for uh, you all to uh, listen to and enjoy. And we're hopefully going to be recording on our on our stated schedule uh, now that uh, you know everything's cleared up for Sean. He's mm-hmm. obviously in a very pimp place, um, and you know I'm I'm very happy. You know, on a personal note, that that uh, that that long saga seems to be ending on a happy note. So yeah, if, if anybody wants more details on that, just uh, friend me on Facebook, and you'll you'll find uh, all the details there, all the gory details in, in the notes that I've I've written up on this whole issue. All right. Well, thank you all for listening um, from all of us here. This is Sean Caranese signing off. I keep it fair, and boy, do I love EDH. And Jose Bovida, I keep it fun because I play Nora in the Wary. Oh, but it's called Commander. Oh, it's called Commander. Yeah. But I have a, I, you know, I don't have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Nicely done. All right.